Hey friend, I'm Sarah Magdalena and you're listening to the Daydreaming Wolves podcast in which I talk about things I love like radical self-healing, feminism, relationships, activism, plant friends and magic. Sometimes it's just me sharing my thoughts and sometimes I invite beautiful guest speakers for exciting interviews. You can subscribe on iTunes and check out my website daydreamingwolves.com as well as sarahmagdalenalove.com for all things web design and online marketing. Hi everyone, I'm so, so excited to have Sarah Chappell on the show today. Um, I met her, like met her in air quotes on Instagram and I just kind of followed her for a couple of weeks, kind of quietly fangirling and like liking every post. <laughs> and then I started reading more on her website and I got on her newsletter. She's offering a really cool self-care um, checklist for people who sign up. And then I kind of explored what she's offering in terms of potions a little bit more. And then she started a podcast and I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> I totally want to have you on my show as well if you're, if you're apparently open to talking about things online in real life. And some of the things that I find most interesting and exciting about her work is that she's really openly reclaiming the, the word witch for herself. And that she's talking a lot about self-care in a really authentic way. And I think there's maybe been a sense of saturation in some of us um, around talking uh, about self-care where it felt like it has just become this like hashtag and all we want to do is take bubble bath and like kiss roses and stuff, which is also cool. But I'm really into these deeper conversations. So it's like you're the one I want to talk to about this <laughs> and so I emailed her and she said yes and here we are so sorry this was my long emotional in intro I'm gonna hand it over to Sarah now who can give us the more official intro and tell us who she is and what she's doing and where she's in the world <laughs> Sarah thank you so much for having me and for such like an amazing sweet and, and kind introduction um, there's really nothing I love more about the internet than being able to connect with people across the globe yes. um, I'm based in the mountains of North Carolina so a little bit away from you at this mm -hmm. point um, and I am oh a facilitator I think if I have to choose a word I don't usually write that one out because it's a little bit um long, at least on the Instagram, but I, uh, I help uh, women in particular or people who identify on that spectrum of gender uh, with just healing themselves. That's actually mm. the name of my, my business is Heal Yourself yeah. because, you know, I don't do any healing. I help herbs and people and other things come together so that they can create transformation and change. Um, I work with tarot, I work with herbs, I work with energetic remedies like flower and stone essences, and just general magic and mayhem, mostly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds amazing. I love that approach and I feel that too. I feel that the, the most healing interactions I've had with people were when they were holding a space for me to learn how to heal myself. Um, rather than having this kind of dynamic of practitioner and uh, client and, you know, there being like a really clear difference. So that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing. 
I would also oh, pick you. up on, I don't know if that's boring to you, but I would love to know a little bit more about North Carolina because interestingly, I have this feeling of like, this is where all the cool kids are right now. And I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Brighton in the UK right now, which I really love. And I'm originally from Germany and I also spent a lot of time in Portugal, which I also really love. But And also I've never been to the States, which I know is kind of outrageous. But to me, so to me, I have this mental map of the US and I know this sounds horrible, but like, you know, you can't know every corner of the world. So there's like California in my head and then there's like New York and these are kind of, you know, kind of the things everyone wants to go to. And I feel like LA would probably really stress me out as would New York. So I'm not really interesting in that. And then there seems to be Asheville and North Carolina where all these cool witchy people are. And I have a feeling maybe these are the witchy people that got really bored with Portland. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't spent any time in Portland, so I can't speak to that. But Asheville really feels like the Berkeley of the East Coast. If, you, uh, if you've heard of Berkeley outside yeah. of San Francisco, that's what it reminds me of. It, it's like Berkeley uh, and probably thus Portland because I think there's some similarities there. Yeah. You know, North Carolina is super funny. I lived, I'm from the north, I'm from New Jersey, um, which mm -hmm. is near New York, and lived in New York for 11 years before moving to North Carolina. And this is actually where my family is from. Yeah. I'm a first generation northerner. I like oh. to say. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm back in kind of my homeland. Um, and there are just an amazing number of witchy people here. And there's a couple reasons for it. The primary one is really just the land. Mm -hmm. um, the Appalachian Mountains, especially in this kind of mid, I think it's called like South Central um, Appalachian Mountains, is so lush. There's more herbal like medicinal herbs and plants that you can find like anywhere else in the country, like concentrated in this one little like nook of the world. It's a temperate rainforest. So it really draws people who like want to work with plants and get to know plants and have the lifestyle that is kind of more connected to the earth, um, which for me is a huge part of being a witch. Um, and I definitely came to the Asheville area because of another witchy-woo lady, Asia Suler of One Willow Apothecaries, um, who is just a truly magical uh, practitioner and teacher, and I've had like the great honor of studying with. And it's really because of her work that I even like knew what Asheville was, and now mm -hmm. it's just... it's. It's really cool. I think you would love it. Come visit us. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I really think I should. Oh, I should put that on my universe wish list. <laughs> cool. Yes. Thank you. Um, the next thing I would love to ask is really to dive right into the deep end and maybe hear a little bit more about what it means to you to be a witch if you want to share. I would love to know. Yeah, it's such a, it's so funny. And I've been thinking about this more and more and more, because as you said, I just started a podcast called So You Want to Be a Witch. Yes. And that word, that word makes people go crazy. You know, it really <laughs> evokes a lot of emotions. And mm -hmm. for me, it's really a reclaiming of, um, there's a wider history there, certainly. But for me personally, it's tapping into something I knew very strongly as a child, which was that I wanted to live in a different way. I wanted to, well, I believed in magic. I believed in the ability to, to cast spells and create ritual and set intention. And 
the word witch, and also tied in with kind of neo-paganism and Wicca and all these different things that I studied when I was a kid, became really painful for me. I was really afraid of being ostracized. I was afraid that my parents would disown me. Mm. I remember having to talk to the, I was raised Presbyterian. I remember having to talk to the pastor of the church and saying I didn't want to be baptized because um, I was baptized at 10 for that's another story, but uh, I didn't want to be baptized because I was like a witch. And like, there was this kind of like, I don't, I don't want to use the word trauma is very complicated, but there's kind of a low level trauma with being persistently told that you can't do something that you're wrong, that something about you is wrong. Mm -hmm. And, and that happened in school. I got in trouble, like for talking about like witchcraft with kids in sixth grade. Like it was just all these like tiny little things over time that just made me really, really, really afraid. And so now coming back, I'm 30. I am out of the broom closet. You now that's been a journey in itself. So using that word for me is really tapping back into my intuition, into my ability to connect with the wider world. That is a huge part of it for me. I think living in concert with the earth certainly but also with the spirits around me you know accepting the fact that like i hear and know stuff that maybe i shouldn't because <laughs> that's not within the realm of what we think of as being appropriate in yeah. a modern culture um that's a little rambly but it is essentially like i am like reclaiming the thing that caused me a lot of pain when i was a child mm. and just trying to be more connected to the world yeah yeah totally that's beautiful on a day-to-day -day basis, like when when do you feel most witchy? Is there something that makes you feel like, oh my god, I'm magical? I have like I'm just I'm saying I do have these moments. I don't think that's weird at all. <laughs> no, no, totally. I am. Uh, there's a couple things. I'm actually uh, in formal like herbalism school right now, mm -hmm. and which has been just such a joy. That's really the reason I moved. Um, and so taking my kind of intuitive plant knowledge to the next level and really mm. learning the, the, the science. And when I meet a new plant and I get so excited, like that's, that's not really my personality. Um, <laughs> but I'll be like, Oh, hello. Oh, hi friend. It's so nice to meet you. And I talk to plants. Like I talk to my dogs. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Hello, little one. You're so cute. And that's what I start, I like take just a second and I'm like, oh my God, I am such a magical little witchy person. I'm like, <laughs> we're talking to plants. Yes. That connection is what fuels it for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Me too. Do you have a favorite plant friend at the moment? Where I live, there are a bunch of uh, spring ephemerals, these plants that just pop up for really brief periods of time. Mm -hmm. And one that's really abundant in this region, but I had never seen before, or even really heard the name of before I moved, is Trillium. Mm -hmm. um, and Trillium and I are having a pretty serious relationship Ooh. right now. I like, <laughs> I was on a hike. I was on a hike in February and the word Trillium came to my mind and I don't think I'd ever heard it. So I started working with the flower essence and then earlier this month I met Trillium in the woods and now Trillium is at my house. So we're like, we're, we're seeing each other pretty seriously at the moment. Pretty good. Great, yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would. I also had a little look at your website and your shop, of course, and I love how you're ma naming your potions. Like one of them is called "Calm the Fuck Down," which is really that's just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> What do you feel like um, plants have most helped you with, if that makes sense? 
What they've helped me with the most, more than any kind of physical healing, is again that sense of connection. Mm. Um, a big part of my story is addiction. I'm an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and that is a disease, in a, in a broad strokes, of not being connected, mm. of fear, um, and plants and and their that just the experience of working with them, seeing with seeing them. And again, like this is not something that I didn't grow up like this. I mean, beyond wanting to be connected, like I didn't grow up like farming or growing things. Like I have no green thumb. Like developing that connection is the gift that they've really given me because I I am never alone when I think mm. of the world that way. When I look around and I'm like, oh, look at all these beautiful plants and their spirit and the the energy that they share so freely with us. I've heard this a few places, so I can't really attribute it, but there's this idea of literally exchanging breath with plants. You know, we Mm. breathe out, they take it in, and they give it back to us in oxygen, and it's just that connection is really a gift. Yeah. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Oh. (laughs) Can you (laughs) maybe, like, I know that you're often making little potions that are made of... um, that are based on, rather than alcohol, they're based on, sorry, I forgot, oh, cider. Is it cider? No. Yeah, uh, apple oh. cider vinegar. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry, sometimes I just <laughs> miss some words. No worries. Yeah, like, um, how do you, do you know, like, how would you describe that being different or, like, how, why do you love it so much? That's really interesting to me. The first reason I love it is because it's not alcohol. Yeah. Uh, I personally do take some alcohol-based remedies when mm-hmm. necessary, but... I find that the most effective remedy is the one you take and the one you can take safely. Mm-hmm. And I think that for a lot of people, um, for a variety of reasons, whether they're they're pregnant or they're religious or they're in recovery, alcohol can be kind of charged. And modern herbal medicine relies heavily on mm-hmm. alcohol to extract medicinal properties yeah. of, of the herbs. So the primary motivation really was to make something that I felt I could take safely in mm-hmm. quantity without having the the anxiety that mm. taking an alcohol remedy makes me get because anxiety isn't helping the healing process. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So true. So I, yeah. Yeah. So I started using vinegar and there are some disadvantages to that. It doesn't extract as well as alcohol does um, with the exception of minerals. So it's really good for really nutritious mm. plants, but it's just not as effective with some other um, constituents. And uh, as a result, you tend to have to take more of it, though the advantage mm-hmm. is that vinegar is generally a lot cheaper than alcohol, yeah. so taking more is not as much of a problem. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, it's not as good a preservative, so there is a sense that you have to be a little bit more careful. Alcohol mm-hmm. tinctures will last for, like, decades. Mm-hmm. Vinegar's probably not. Yeah. But, you know, if yeah. you're taking it as you should, it will you'll drink it all (laughs) yeah I saw you post on Instagram the other day where you touched a bit on the idea that you know we're making medicine for it to be taken and it doesn't really have to last 10 years and that's totally cool yeah I agree (laughs) there's this interesting thing that I think happens with herbalists and and I include myself in that where you meet a new plant and maybe it's kind of rare, but there's enough for you to harvest and you want to try it and see what the medicine is. And like in that situation, using alcohol, something that's going to preserve it and save it. So you don't have to use that kind of more rare plant again. I really respect that. Mm. But the flip side of that is that there's so much medicine that is abundant Mm. and and powerful in your bioregion that 
while I can certainly see outliers for various reasons, I don't think it's a great excuse. I think mm. that finding ways to work with our clients so they're happy, healthy, and comfortable is more important than using a rare medicine and you know using alcohol to make sure that it's preserved for a long period of time. Yeah, totally. And I love this energy of abundance and taking up space of fairness and fierceness of weeds as well. I'm really passionate about like getting people to really work with the weeds that they have in their in their bioregion because they're so such cool characters, you know, like I'm I'm like yes. tight with nettle and markwood and dandelion <laughs> and they're just everywhere, you know, that they're, they're easy to find and so beautiful to work with. Um yeah, so I totally agree. Yes. <laughs> I just want to, on the mugwort tip, I think that's the first post of yours I saw was like a beautiful photo of like a sea of mugwort. And I was so jealous. <laughs> and it's such a great, such a great plant. Yeah, it really is. That feels like a life partner to me. I even have mugwort tattoos. And yeah, mugwort, uh, mugwort is so special. Such a great plant and friend to have in life, I think. <laughs> Do you have any like self-care practices that stand out to you like apart from or maybe that is part of your self-care practice like how do you take your herbs do you have like a thing where each morning you you do like a little tea with when then some tinctures or like what what is happening Oh god I wish I wish um I am really really terrible at good habits Uh, as a rule. So that's part of the reason self-care is so important to me and why I like to talk very openly about my challenges in that area because mm -hmm. I think that like you were saying in the introduction that everything is hashtag self-care yeah. and when when we transform things into a commodity like that, it, one of the byproducts is actually making those of us who aren't good at it feel guilty. Mm. Like look at that beautiful photo of that girl on the beach, hashtag self-care. Like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get to the beach or yeah. make time to do that or afford to do that or whatever? So mm. the first thing I'll say is, like, I don't have a good self-care practice. That's part of the <laughs> journey for me is, like, creating that. Yeah. Um, the one thing I do almost every morning, and this has been transformative, is morning pages. So I write mm. two to three pages um, based on Julia Cameron's The Artist Way, and I just, like, I get that out with my morning coffee, and that is um, has been really useful for me. The other thing that I do, which is hashtag self-care, is take baths. I was like anti-bath. I was like, baths are dumb. Who needs to take baths? Baths are stupid. Showers are way more effective and efficient. And it was only when I realized that efficiency is definitely not the purpose. It's the fact that it takes time to draw the bath. It takes time to soak. Um, taking time for things is self-care for me because I am a like racy brain, fast talking, can't ever calm down, slow down until I crash kind of girl. Mm -hmm. So baths, love baths. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. I don't have a bathtub where I live right now. And oh. Yeah, I know. It's totally tragic. I really love my house. It's like a tiny house in someone's garden and the garden is huge and it's out in nature and oh. everything about it is perfect but I don't have a bath. <laughs> so yeah, but I have really intensive showers like that. They're, they're quite full on. So <laughs> that's great. <Yeah. laughs> what would you as like, um, what I, because I always love like giving people some practical tools to take away. What is your advice to someone who wants to look into herbal self care and maybe also working with ciders or ap apple cider vinegar situations, what is like the first thing you think they should know or look into? 
Oh, goodness. Um, I would start by taking a look at what plants are growing around you. And if you don't know, ask someone. Mm -hmm. That's really the first advice is ask someone. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I'm the kind of person who has a hard time admitting I don't know things. Learning to ask for help and knowledge and assistance is a big challenge for me personally. So I honor that if that is also your truth, that Mm -hmm. you like to be right all the time and then can't admit that you need help. Um, (laughs) So... Yeah, there are herbalists in every town and every city. I mean, there's a huge worldwide movement right now, and it's a great time to tap in. The thing I'm not going to recommend that you do is just Google indiscriminately to try to find remedies because there's a lot of bad information out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing what plants are are available to you locally or you know, even just paying more attention to the food plants that you're eating Mm -hmm. and if you can like become friends with them or just think about them a little more critically. A lot of our food plants are great medicine um, and have become foods that we eat because they're medicine. And, oh, books, books, always books. Um, There's never enough books in the world. I, I, as like, especially as a great place to start, anything by Rosemary Gladstar oh, is yes. just delightful. Mm-hmm. She's delightful. She also has, she has great videos online mm-hmm. too. And is just like so sweet and kind, like in her demeanor and her books are really accessible, like true, real deep medicine, yes. but also just, you don't need to know a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, be, yeah, but see what see what friends are going around you. Make sure you know what they are before you put them in your mouth. That's really important. Identify them. Um, and also just something that I've noticed for me that's been super useful is the idea of synchronicity. If something pops up, if you're like, oh, I saw violet, a picture of violets the other day, and then you're at the shop and like you see something that has violets in it, you know, and then you have a dream about violets, like you probably need to take some violets. You're probably (laughs) being asked to work with violets. So instead of like writing those things off as like meaningless coincidences, they are meaningful coincidences. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great place to start working with plants. Yeah, that's a really great point. I I love that you touched on working with intuition as well and, and looking for these signs specifically. Yeah. I know you're really into the tarot as well. Do you maybe want to tell us a little bit more about like how you work with the tarot and how it has changed your life and like what you're offering around tarot? Yeah, tarot is so powerful. It's um, <laughs> it's uh, sorry. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday. We were making fun of people who say exactly this, but I'm going to say it. Tarot is a mirror. that sounds really like woo and like what the fuck does that mean i'm sorry can i curse yes you can absolutely (laughs) um what the fuck does that mean and what it means is that it reflects back to what you already know Mm -hmm. now i say that with a caveat that there are people who are psychic at least i believe so there are people who are intuitive i can pick up things that aren't super clear Mm -hmm. but at its core tarot is not fortune telling Mm -hmm. it's a tool that helps us to see clearly yeah for my personal practice, that has been so unbelievably useful. As I said before, like my brain goes crazy. It runs, it runs, it runs. It does not stop. I can never see things clearly. I have no perspective on my own life. I'm just always future tripping and obsessing and thinking out everything to the worst possible conclusion without even really seeing what's happening in the moment. Tarot allows me to zoom out to have an honest reflection back of how I'm feeling and what is actually happening versus what I think is happening or what I'm obsessing over. 
when approached that way, it's a really great tool for self-care. It's also a lot easier to learn, I think, because you're not trying to predict something. I find that comes later naturally to a lot of people. But in the moment, you're just pulling a card and seeing how does this make me feel? What does it make me think about? And trusting that that is exactly what you need to be thinking about, that the card is reflecting back to you something that you need to pull out from the depths and take a look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How do you do, so how do you read for yourself? Do you have like a practice of like drawing a card a day or anything like that? Nope. <laughs> Because as I said, I am terrible at like ritual and habit. Mm -hmm. I tend to go to the cards when something is wrong. And I think yes. a lot of people do that. Me I too. don't encourage that. Practice what I say, not what I preach. I tell my students like to please pull a card every day. <laughs> But in my, my life, I don't. Yeah. I go through phases. What I really try to do is to pull a card before something important is happening or before I'm getting on a phone call or working with a client so I can see what I need to focus on. And I also like to pull cards around the moon cycle. So I do, the word ritual is a bit of a stretch um, because I'm not very good at that as a rule, though I am working on it. Um, but I do a little, little altar making maybe around the new moon and the full moon. And I like to pull cards there and journal a little bit to see like what do I need to focus on during this period of time yeah that's great yeah and what kind of readings are you offering and I, because I, I mean I already know because I checked your website but for everyone <laughs> else I just love how you like the different kinds of readings that you're offering it's really interesting to me how um how deep they are and how you've worded like what you're offering so I would love to hear a bit more on that Yeah, well, the first thing I'll say, and this is, I hope we're gonna we're gonna go pretty deep on the witch tip right now. But um, <laughs> okay. the the current the current language for the offerings came to me kind of channeled in meditation, and I have been developing a relationship um, with spiders, mm -hmm. and and what what appeared to be a spider told me what I was supposed to write. So that is where that's coming from. And I have spiders all over my house now and we're just becoming good friends and we talk to each other in meditation. I don't really like spiders, but I am grateful that they want to share their knowledge with me. So that's me and my spiders in my house. Um, and that's where all that wording came from was mm -hmm. from a spider in my head. Uh, the offerings themselves are based on both what, I channeled in meditation and really what I've seen that my clients need. So I do a series of offerings called the Un Unravel Readings, which are actually remote offerings where I do a voice recording of a channeled tarot reading and then send it to the client. There's a couple reasons for that. One is that I do some of my best work when I'm just channeling and speaking. Words mm -hmm. are definitely one of my powers. Um, so being able to do that kind of free form and just spilling it straight out into the world gives a lot of really good medicine for mm -hmm. my clients. And then also they can listen to it whenever they want. They don't yeah. have to make time to come and see me or, you know, people are busy. So mm -hmm. it tends to be kind of a really nice convenience in addition <laughs> to having a lot of really powerful medicine. The other primary readings I do are ones that I pair with flower essences. Mm -hmm. So I use, and those are, 
those are in-person or face-to-face readings via Skype. And I use tarot. We do like a full tarot reading. And then I also use tarot to help pinpoint particular areas of, of blockages and, uh, and imbalances that something like flower essences, which work with imbalances on an energetic level, can help to bring back into balance. So that's a really fun offering. We get to play with a lot of different magic potions and like make up, we like mix up a potion for, for the client, which I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Um, you mentioned flower essences and I loved, um, oh, that's something I haven't mentioned yet. You have a really great self-care series on your blog that I really think people should check out. And one of the posts, yeah, <laughs> one of the posts was about flower essences and I have discovered them about 18 months ago. Um, really through a trade where I met again met someone on, on Instagram and we became friends and followed each other and she needed a website and I happened to be a web designer so we did a trade I did her website and she I, she sent me this most beautiful care package it was overwhelmingly beautiful and so some of that was flower essences and oh, I hadn't oh. used them before and if I'm super honest there definitely was a lot of skepticism and there still is sometimes I've made my own my first own flower essences now but I'm like oh but they're so deluded and like what is really happening here what if I'm all making this up but I love what you said about um you know the, the placebo being something that we should really celebrate and I feel I just feel like politically and collectively and individually there's so much pain you know and so much that really needs support and I will celebrate any anything that works and so placebo totally is part of that but I also think that there is now interesting signs I've heard on flower essences um, and I haven't even looked into it because I, I just want to I don't know <laughs> I just want to celebrate what what it does for me without like the this grasping of explanations all the time yeah yeah, flower essences are so powerful, have have at times been super transformative for me, and then also at times have done absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to note that um, part of the, the magic and trick of flower essences is finding the right one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that's super easy to do for yourself in the sense that you can buy them in the store, you can make them yourself, they're supposed to be home remedies, but sometimes finding the right one is hard. I well, we don't use the word diagnose because we're not doctors. I mischaracterize what I personally need all the time. It comes back to being able to see myself clearly. And that's why tarot helps so much. If you don't get the right essence, nothing happens. And it's very easy to be like, well, nothing happened. That doesn't work. And it is really dilute and it is kind of weird and it is really magical. There are a lot of studies. Um, in the United States, we have the Flower Essence Society, which does um, empirical and some double blind studies on essences, I've been working on them since the 70s. Um, and there's a lot, like a wealth of resources there. And I think it's really great if you are more science-minded, which mm-hmm. I actually generally am, um, to, to dive into those. But I actually find it more exciting to work on faith. That's a bigger challenge for me. <laughs> and, I find, and, and I find it more powerful. And that's where the placebo idea comes in. And I've heard this said by, by several people who really kind of nailed it down. One that comes to mind is Mila Prince of the, women who, uh, the Woman Who Married a Bear. Um, and she talks about placebo magic. And I think that's just such a beautiful way to look at it. I mean, why would we want to stop ourselves from healing ourselves? Mm-hmm. Why do we think that's a bad thing? Yeah. I think that's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But you know, my late my back labels for for my flower and stone essences actually say the ingredients are water, apple cider vinegar, mm-hmm. and magic. <laughs> yeah, I'm not pretending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I also love how accessible they are and that, you know, you can give them to your pets and you don't have to use alcohol to conserve them. And um, and they're just, you know, really anyone in theory can make them um, because it really doesn't have to be hard. I really love this magic of like having someone else create something for you. And I think there's real magic in that relationship as well of like receiving this care and someone has really thought about what would be good for you and like, you know, thought about the moon and, and all of that. But you can yeah. really easily make them yourself as well, which is really powerful. I think that's something that's really interesting to note is that we're going to buy into the idea that energetic remedies can shift your energy because that's really what we're talking about Mm -hmm. here is that the energy of the flower is imprinted into the water that you are using to make your essence and that that energy can then shift your own energy. If we're going to buy into all that, then the person who's making it, their energy is super important. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I don't want my own energy. I have plenty of my own energy. <laughs> yeah. I don't need any more. <laughs> yeah. But I might need I might need somebody else's energy. You know, yeah. I work very closely with um I got I'm such a fangirl. I mentioned her again with Asia Suler of mm-hmm. One Willow Apothecary's essences. That's what I use mostly in my practice, especially for stuff that I haven't made yet. And I want her energy. Mm-hmm. I like need more Asia Suler in my life. <laughs> yes, so I think everyone does. With, <laughs> right? Yeah. So working with her essences, like, yes, I'm working with, like, dogwood flower essence, but I make a dogwood flower essence, mm-hmm. but I don't take my own that much because I don't need my energy, whereas someone else may need my energy. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is a, such an important component. So, yeah, when someone makes something for you, yeah. they're imbuing it with their love their care, their power, their life experience, mm-hmm. and we get to take that in as medicine. Mm-hmm. And that... That is pretty witchy, yeah. and I am all about bringing that energy in. <laughs> yes, totally, yeah. I'm always almost looking for friends that I can give my stuff to because I produce more than I can take myself. And also I feel like I want to be able to justify buying something from someone else for this exact reason. So I, I love to kind of keep this flow of like giving remedies into the world and making magic for other people, but also really bringing other people's energy in and seeing how that can support me. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could study with Asia uh, in person myself too now. Maybe I really should come to Asheville. It's a thing. Totally should. <laughs> oh, it's it's definitely a thing. There's yeah. a <laughs> the the energy here is palpable. There are a lot of great teachers here. So mm. please, please come visit us. Okay. <laughs> I want to come <laughs> back briefly to the tarot because because um yeah we spoke about people's energies and like how we can bring that into our lives i wondered if you ever feel attracted over long periods of time to a specific card or if like what are your feelings on the tarot and archetypes and do you have like a card of the year or something that you're trying to embody in your life right now I find more what happens is that a card stalks me, Mm -hmm. that it keeps showing up, and it's, you I can say what I want all day long, but what I need is not up to me, and tarot does a better job of showing me what I need, so I tend to get followed by cards, they'll pop up, I mean, for months, if not even longer, and that, for me, has been a bit more powerful, and because I do read for other people, I get to see it more, it'll be 
I hear this all the time from readers. It'll be the kind of thing where you'll pull for yourself and right now, for example, the Queen of Cups is following me around and I'll get the Queen of Cups every time I read for myself. And then all of my clients get the Queen of Cups too. And I'm like, all right, Queen of Cups, like what do we need to work on now? I do, however, love using, especially in ritual cards to draw on the archetypes, to invite them in. Um, you know, I don't think we get to, Tarot for me shows more the, energies and invitations that we are being asked to move through but we can call in energies that we want to work with so for me a big one is the empress um, I view her as a very creative and passionate um, sexual and sensual like earth mother but maker and doer all at the same time very you know kind of little binary but very like divine feminine and I need more of that energy in my life. I get very disconnected from that. So I will make an altar. I'll have a picture of the Empress. I'll work with the flower essence that for me screams the Empress, which is mm -hmm. hibiscus. And I like, the first time I did that was actually when I was, I was about to go on a date and I was like, girl needs some help. Girl <laughs> needs some help, please. It's like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we're going to call it the Empress. And I was like, I got out my Empress card and it took my hibiscus flower essence. And yes. I was like, all right. I am ready to go. <laughs> so I, I so sometimes I work with it that way, but usually for me personally, it's more that the the cards show up and tell me what I need, and they'll keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up until I actually pay attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do you maybe also want to tell us a little bit about your relationship with um with stones? That's kind of yeah, also really magical. I love stones. Yes, me too. Stones are great. Yeah, I I am very much uh, what is now being called more and more an animist, which I love as a term, mm -hmm. uh, which is basically believing that everything has life or spirit. Yeah. And I think working for with plants, it's only a little hop and a skip over to to working with stones, because stones, minerals, are what makes what gives plants life and thus us life. The connection's a, you know, a couple steps apart, but we're really here because of the minerals on this earth. So talking to stones is a total blast and I <laughs> highly recommend it. They love being talked to, they love being held, most of them. And working with stones for me has been an exercise in two things. One, again, in faith, which is a huge part of my journey is getting out of my overly analytical, like well-schooled and overly educated brain and back into my body and into my intuition. Stones really force me to do that because if I'm going to talk to something that appears inanimate, mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm going to have to have a little bit of faith. <laughs> yeah. But they also do offer just such great healing. Sometimes it's as simple as having something to hold in our hands. I think, mm. you know, when we were kids, we would pick up stones that they had like worry stones, something that you mm. kind of rub your, rub your thumb across. And there's something so soothing about how solid and old, I mean, stones are ancient. That energy helps me to ground in a deeper way than anything else I work with. They're also really pretty and shiny, and I'm super into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. And uh, and I feel also <laughs> that the relationships we have with stones or plants are sometimes so much easier than the ones we have with humans. 
and sometimes <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> right sometimes that gives me so so much comfort when I feel really overwhelmed and like overstimulated from having been in a city or from like just normal stuff coming up in relationships and that anxiety that that can bring of just like hanging out with stones or plants and and it would be tempting to say that's because they're not talking back and I don't think that's true you know I think I, I think it isn't that they can't make um can't have boundaries or like you know have expectations and all that it's just a ah this it just feels quieter and and deeper and earthier and yeah and easier to understand for me even if that sounds because you know I'm from the human species so like I should know <laughs> how to communicate with humans but I'm not always sure <laughs> Humans are way harder, and we we operate really quickly. We have a lot of expectations, and we want things to happen super fast, and that happens in our own interactions with each other and with ourselves. I think plants and stones help us to work on a different timeline. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they pull us out of that human, human rat race and into something where, like, you know, plants – most plants don't move much, you know, they, they, they can't pick up their legs and go somewhere else. And there's a lesson there in terms of really like sinking into something and, and, and growing those deep roots and being patient in, in a different way. And stones have a similar medicine to me. I mean, again, that, that richness, that connection to the earth, but also just that they've been around like for hundreds of thousands of years. Like they're just a little bit slower. They'll talk to you, but you have to be a bit more patient and it's far more relaxing for me because humans are crazy, myself definitely included. Mm, yeah, yeah. Speaking of craziness, I would love to know a little bit about what it was like to kind of start your business and and be so public about what you do. And like, what was that ever awkward? Did you have any anxiety? Did you have like a transition period where you kind of grew your confidence or how was what was that like? Oh, it's full-time awkward. Totally. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I, it's awkward every day. I am anxious every day. And I, I say that really from a place of deep love and, and gratitude because I still can't believe that I get to talk to someone across the world about yeah. plants and stones and magic. You know, it, it's, it's amazing. But a big challenge for me has been figuring out how much of myself to share, what parts of myself to share, what is good for the business, what is not good for the business. I think mm-hmm. I do a lot of things that aren't good for the business. I talk very openly, like when I'm depressed, mental health is a big issue for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I spent like all of January and February posting on Instagram being like, so I'm still depressed, guys, this sucks. <laughs> and yes. I don't know if that makes people want to work with me. Like, do you want to give your money to somebody who's like, <laughs> I have severe mental health issues? You know, I, I don't know. And Starting the business was kind of by accident, um, as or not by accident, but just there really was no other option. About mm-hmm. a year ago, I was still I, my background is working in the wine industry. I worked in the wine industry for six or seven years. Um, I was a brand manager and editorial director for a huge company in New York. And when I was seven months sober, I like could not do it anymore. I had I was a bigger wreck than I had ever been when I was when I was drinking. Um, I saw a friend recently who told me I was a little twitchy at the end. And I was like, I think twitchy is about as nice as you can like put it. I was, I was a wreck and I, and I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I left. Um, 
And that, well, yeah, it was a year ago. And pretty soon out of necessity, I was like, well, it's time to use some of these skills because girls got to pay some bills. And that's been a really interesting thing to navigate because in my dream world, I wouldn't charge for any of the work Mm. I do. We would exchange something, trade something. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of personal guilt around that. And that's a conversation that I'm seeing more and more people talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, charging for healing work, charging for tarot readings, you know, that herbal medicine is the medicine of the people and it should be free. Mm -hmm. And I believe that. And then I also, you know, have to pay rent. Yeah. That has been anxious and anxiety inducing Mm -hmm. and awkward for me as I tease those pieces apart Mm -hmm. and see how can I be of greater service if I am actually running a business instead of just doing this as a hobby. So stepping into that place where I do this full time has enabled me to be of greater service because I'm available, Mm -hmm. because this is my work. I can dig deeper. I can do more work. I can make more things. I can go to herb school. Like I can, I can make some of these things to make myself more useful, but Oh, it's so awkward all the time. I'm still like, what do I do? I have a business. I like registered my business with the government. I pay taxes like a grown up. I'm like, I don't even know. And I just, it's a little rambly, but I want to share it because I think we see a lot of like really beautifully manicured, like lovely, like soul centered businesses on, again, mm-hmm. like on Instagram. And I'm like, I'm going to bet behind almost every single one of those, there is like a panicked little witch girl who's like, <laughs> what am I doing? What am I doing? Oh God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still a panicked little witch girl all the time, <laughs> but I'm still, <laughs> off, yes. But I'm also so full of gratitude for, you know, having this conversation, as you said, like being able to show up like this and having this be the thing. And also I I realized that working from home has shifted so much for me, like my energy and how I can be present with other people is so much better. Like um, leaving the house for a nine to five has really killed my vibe, you know, like, whoa. But I also really share about your, share your feelings around shame of like charging for this because I care so much for it to be accessible to everyone. And, um, and I'm also so grateful that we have all these different ways now to, you know, be with the reality that we have to pay rent and that means we have to charge for our services but there's so much we can share uh, you know share freely um that is really accessible to anyone like your self-care list um the checklist or you know the self-care series that we've done or these kinds of podcasts and so I really want to celebrate that as well that really helps me kind of think about the shame and I love having these chats and like I do think that there is a really big movement in the entrepreneurial uh, community to kind of think about accessibility and what can we do and you know thinking about things like sliding scales or not shaming people for doing trades as well I think for me um I I I get the idea and it's something that's that I have been taught quite intensely not to do trades because it's undervaluing my worth and like you know I'm never going to be a professional if I do that I think there's that um kind of you know school of thought but what I found is actually a well done trade is really, really magical and so healing because for it to really feel good, I have to know 
my worth, I need to know my boundaries, I need to be able to communicate them, I need to be able to hear and know and that's like on, on so many levels that's not something that I ever got to practice outside of that world and I think it's so counterintuitive for how we do money and exchange and you know business and trading elsewhere and so I now really feel that trades can be amazing if, if we have the resources to do them without any shadiness and and I love seeing that happening more often yeah I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that I have learned more boundaries from I will I don't do a ton of trades but I did I did a few at the beginning of the year and I actually make that an option for this sliding scale sessions that I do once a month just for local people um and I have learned more boundaries and more about myself and more about my mm. own worth through doing trades than mm-hmm. I have through charging because there's I'm a knitter. That's one of my self-care <laughs> things. And I did a whole bunch of trades where I traded knitting for different things. And realizing, just really thinking about how much time it takes me to do that and how much that time is worth if I'm doing a tarot reading, for example. Mm-hmm. And it really gave me actually a stronger sense of my own worth, which was really powerful mm-hmm. because I was like, I'm sitting here knitting away. It's taking me like three weeks to make a pair of socks. And that's <laughs> really powerful to look at. Yeah. Um, you know, and that does translate back to my own ability to be able to charge my, my worth when it comes to my, my business and mm-hmm. my services. And then also to have faith that if I do offer sliding scale and when I do that, when I accept trade, that I can set it up in a way that feels really good for me. Mm. But that's like that's like a learning curve process, you mm-hmm. know, digging deep kind of stuff. So I'm really glad you mentioned that because it is about healthy boundaries, about hearing no, and about being able to say no, mm. which is even harder. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the plants have helped so much with that. So that for me, there's been a real like dynamic going between me and the plants and the services and the business and the magic and like all of that because <laughs> nature is so abundant. And I really feel that, you know, to be able to be in a place where we can do these healed transactions and trades, we have to trust on some level that our basic needs will always be met. And that's really quite hard to feel right now in this world. You know, I'm, I was so sorry yes. to hear what happened with healthcare for you guys in the States this week. It, I think it's absolutely heartbreaking and I forgot what, what the term was called now. Um, but fuck, man. Wow. <laughs> it does have to pass our second, um, the second part of Congress. It does have to pass the Senate and they'll likely rewrite it. But it's one of those things where... It just shows you what people think of you. Yeah. You know, it just lets you know what, what your peers, because these are my, these are my, these are my people. We live in the same country and, mm. uh, you know, people voted, voted for not just for a president, but for a Congress that mm. thinks that this is the right way to go is to make essentially having a uterus being a pre-existing condition. Rape is a pre-existing condition, mm. you know, no, no coverage for mental health or addiction, Pregnancy is a pre-existing condition, and this from the part of the government that is really keen on making people keep their pregnancies. So mm. it, this kind of stuff, it just even if it doesn't pass um, in its current form, which it likely won't, it's just demoralizing, mm. and and it does kind of attack that base sense of security, which makes me personally doubt even more what I do. But every time that happens and I realize how important it is that there are people like you and people like me and people in this amazing community who are holding space and creating opportunities to support each other because that's 
Well, what this is teaching me, and I'm a little late to the ball game, so for, for those of you who have already been kind of on this, excuse me, but it's like, I can't trust my government. Mm. And I know that's like not a huge thing, but I, I have to take care of myself and mm. I have to find other people that I can help take care of. And it's our community that's going to matter so much more moving forward. Mm. And in, in a way... There are positives there, you know. We mm. just learn to be self-reliant and we'll take care of each other more. Mm. And that's okay. We can do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I um, I agree. I feel like it is heartbreaking on so many levels, but it has also confronted in me and in the communities I'm part in, like this real need for resilient communities and thinking about resources in a different way. And I, I wish it could have, you know, we could have come to this place in, in an easier way. That would have been great. <laughs> but as it happens, yes. we weren't able to do that. So here we are. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. I had another question just now that I thought was a fantastic question to ask you. Um, mm, oh, yeah. Um, I I would love to hear your thoughts about how um, public health care can interact with herbalism. Do you have any feelings on that? Totally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually come I come from a family of like doctors and lawyers, so mm-hmm. I very much grew up with this like super traditional idea of of what medicine is, yeah. and was a pretty compulsive doctor visitor until really about a year ago. Um, always getting all my checkups and doing my blood work and making sure everything was perfect mm-hmm. and still somehow sick all the time, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that, <laughs> and that's where these things can really work well together to me is that kind of traditional or what we think traditional Western allopathic medicine with doctors and hospitals is so good at acute situations is so I mean amazing at saving people's lives when when it seems like there's no options left I mean that's where if I break my bones like please take me to the hospital if I you know have like a deadly virus please take me to the hospital like that is really powerful and that is medicine that yes there are, are herbal ways to kind of work with some of those things but at the end of the day I believe that doctors are better at that. They have different skills. They have really powerful drugs. And keeping people alive and healthy um, is really, I think, the overall goal. We want to increase increase uh, like a he- healthy, long lives. Where herbal medicine really comes in for me is the day-to-day. This is the taking care of yourself by eating well, which for me is a huge personal challenge. Taking care of yourself by... Making sure you get all the nutrients you need and then working with herbs in a way that uh, supports your long-term health. These are not things that happen very quickly. There are herbs that work fast, definitely, but mostly this is is the long-term practice of developing a healthy lifestyle and supporting yourself. I think those two things go together great because herbalism is in a big way preventative care Mm. or kind of... I don't want to lower level sounds a little judgment. I I don't certainly don't mean it that, but, but kind of more persistent care, Mm -hmm. if you will. Whereas as traditional medicine offers like acute care Mm -hmm. extremely well, those two things dovetail beautifully. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways I see that really coming together, um, 
at least in the United States, is with people uh, like nurses and nurse practitioners who work more directly with um, with uh, patients, um, because doctors at least here don't some of them don't want to spend a lot of time, but also they can't spend a lot of time. They're expected to really churn people through um, and don't spend a lot of time with their individual patients. If nurses who spend like all, a lot of them like all day, 12 hours a day working at the hospital, working with patients, and then see that there is really a need for this other kind of care, mm. I think that shows a really beautiful place where these things can work together. Yeah. Um, there are a couple nurses in my herb program. I think that's actually a huge number of people who study herbalism are, are nurses mm. or, or physician's assistants who see like that there's a missing link here. Mm. I'm not sure that was terribly uh, no, cohesive, but... <laughs> Basically, I think, they, I think they go together great, and I'm super. Like, I, I'm someone who wouldn't be alive today if it weren't for modern medical care. Mm-hmm. I was about a month late um, when I was supposed to be born. I was born by C-section. My mother never went into labor, so I'm like, thank you, like, <laughs> yeah. thank you. I'm glad I'm here. Yeah, I was born late but, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was just warm and cozy, and what 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 good is out here? Exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think those things work together well, and I think that you know, for me, I spent God, I spent ten plus years going to doctors, being sick all the time, and never getting any answers. And it was only when I started dealing with root causes that things things started to get better. I'm a lot less sick now than I was a couple of years ago, and that's just I think that happens to a lot of people. But it requires more effort. We want to go to the doctor and get a pill and for everything to be okay. But that's just mm. not how it works. We're way more complicated than that. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's very true. <sighs> Sarah, I really feel like I could talk to you forever. But I want to honor your time and, and, <laughs> and the listeners' time. And maybe we can do another one later in the summer. But it's really, really beautiful to speak to you. And yeah, well, Sarah, right. you need to come to my podcast, obviously. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, I love, love, love that. Um, do you maybe want to tell us where people can find you, both on the internet and on social media, and what you're offering and what what is happening? Tell us everything. Yes. Um. So you can find me just about anywhere on the internet at Sarah M. Chapel. Uh. That's. S-A-R-A-H-M-C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L. Um, I am on all major social media channels. That is also my website.com. And you know, on my website, I have, I have an active blog. I have a new podcast. I have more and more free information coming your way, um, like we were talking about, Sarah, mm-hmm. finding more ways to, to be of service. Mm-hmm. And I do, uh, I do remote one-on-one uh, and distance tarot readings and I have all sorts of goodies so I would be honored if you would come and find me come interact with me on social come work with me it would be just such a pleasure to to see you guys and to learn more about you and what you need yes and we'll put the um, links to that in the show notes as well so don't worry guys if you haven't caught that or if spelling is hard I know spelling is hard for me because I'm not a native speaker so I, I always rely on yeah but anyway you will find all of that in the show notes and I cannot wait to share that with you thank you so much thank you Sarah. thank you for having me thank you bye And now a final little note from me. If you enjoyed my podcast, I would really, really appreciate a review on iTunes. For new podcasts, this is a really important way to make sure that we're being found and to reach more people. So thank you so much for writing a review. 
And a reminder that if you're into plans and magic and ritual, you can sign up for my free ritual course on daydreamingwolves.com.